Well, good morning. Great to be with you. Let me show you a picture. Uh, this is my neighbour's, uh, the front of my neighbour's house across the road. Um, every year, my neighbour totally crushes me in the Christian lights, uh, the uh, Christmas lights display. He's he's actually got a reindeer on his balcony and the reindeer's head moves backwards and forwards as the whole thing lights up. I've got one pathetic little line of solar-powered lights. Um, I keep saying next year, next year, I'll, I'll be able to compete properly. You ever notice that lights and Christmas just kind of go together naturally? I mean, uh, over where I live, over near Bondi Junction, um, Halloween has started to be celebrated. So what do you do for Halloween? Well, people put up spider webs and skeletons and all that kind of dark stuff and Christmas and lights just naturally go together. Maybe you've never thought about that, but just what do people do at Christmas time? Even if they're not followers of Jesus, they put up lights at night. Well, the pastors here at Gladesville have asked me to speak this year on the theme or on the line, light and life to all he brings. Now, that's not a quote from the Bible. It's actually a quote from uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which we just did, um, written by Charles Wesley way back in 1739. Now, Charles Wesley had obviously been reading his Bible because the idea of light and life has been right there from the very birth of Jesus and right through Jesus' life. Uh, When you come to the Gospels, Matthew tells the story of Jesus' birth, if you like, the big picture and and through the eyes of Joseph. But Matthew tells us the things that we can lock into history, like um, the star that appeared when Jesus was born, which is almost certainly a conjunction of the two planets, Saturn and Jupiter. Okay, then they, they appeared in the sky. That conjunction looked like a new star and that appears before the birth of Jesus. Uh, Matthew tells us about the cruel King Herod, Herod the Great, uh, who's the one who's tried to kill baby Jesus and his stupid and cruel son, Archelaus. So, so Matthew gives you the big picture. In Luke's gospel, Luke's a doctor and Luke's, Luke is soft-hearted and compassionate and Luke will always show you about the, the little people. The, the people that history wouldn't have known about. Luke tells us the story of the birth of Jesus, I think through the eyes of, of a young woman called Mary and also uh, the event that happened to a bunch of unknown shepherds out in the night looking after a few sheep. Uh, look at how light is there from the beginning. I'll read this again. Trevor just read it for us, but let me show you again from Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared and, and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Isn't it interesting? Luke, I mean, Luke writes about the most important event that's ever happened on planet Earth, the, the birth of the Son of God, and the ones who get the front row seat, a group of shepherds, well, the shepherds were the... Um, the Bogans of the first century, they did tough jobs, they were kind of rough heads, I don't know how you polite way of saying it, but they get the front row seat as the sky lights up. And what always happened when an angel turns up in the Bible, the first thing the angel says is, see verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. 
Why don't be afraid? Because everyone's terrified when an angel turns up. Verse 11, today in the town, sorry, today in the town of David, the great king of Israel, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And Messiah, it means God's great promised king. Verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, we've all grown up here, you know, away in a manger. It's a feed trough for an animal, okay? And, and the king, God's great king, will be born lying and lying in a manger. And then we're told, verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. So when God's king, the Messiah, is born, the whole night sky lights up. And you know, since, since uh, the people here at Glazerville asked me to come and speak on this, I've spent a little bit of time looking and I didn't realise how often the New Testament talks about light. The New Testament mentions light 78 times. Sometimes it's just talking about light, you know, like a, something that's bright. But usually it's the idea of a, a metaphor, a word picture. Okay. Now, we, we use that. Um, in fact, I think you just heard Grizz talking about it. Okay? The way we use, have you seen the light? Meaning what? Have you understood something to see the light? Uh, or, or if you have an idea, what do we do? We show it as a light bulb or the idea of um, hope. Right? What's at the end of the tunnel when there's hope? It's light at the end of a tunnel. In fact, you know, the Bible even says that God is light. Um, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says, This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Or Psalm 104, the Psalms are like um, poems or songs in the Old Testament part of the Bible. Psalm 104 verse 2 says, The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. At Jesus' birth, there's, there's a supernatural thing happening as well. Do you notice the angels are there? Now the word angel or angelos in the original just means messenger. But when God sends his angels, the sky lights up. It's not just the moon or the stars or whatever. There's a supernatural thing happening. And this is just the beginning of the story. Uh, they made a movie in 1965 called The Greatest Story Ever Told. Okay, uh, The Story of Jesus. Unfortunately, it's probably best known for the fact that John Wayne played the um, centurion at Jesus' death. And John Wayne delivers what is quite possibly the worst line delivery in a movie ever. Um, truly, this man was a son of God. Uh, if you want to see it, there's a 30-second YouTube clip. It's worth about 30 seconds. You can watch it later on. But it is the greatest story ever told. If you want to understand the greatest story ever told, we've got to let the baby grow up. And man, when the baby grew up, what did he do? Well, he, he healed people. And he had compassion on beggars and, and the sick and, and uh, lepers. And he treated women with respect that was so rare in those days. And he taught with amazing stories and he spoke about the kingdom of God or as the New Testament calls it sometimes, the kingdom of light. In fact, Jesus will grow up and say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And then... 
And then they killed him. Why? Why would you kill someone like that? You don't get killed for saying, let's all be nice to each other. What does light, Jesus says he's the light of the world, what does light do? Light pushes away into or shines into darkness. Light exposes things. When my brother and I were little boys, I don't know, 11, 11 years old, something like that maybe, my mother um, and my brother's a couple of years younger, my mum would take us to church on a Sunday night. We weren't always volunteers, but we were taken along. And church could be a little dull for 11-year-old boys. Anyway, we would <laughs> Sunday night, we would take uh, my grandparents, my mum and, and the kids, me and my brother, we would take these two dear, sweet, old maiden aunties home. And they were 80-something years old. And they lived in this giant old house in Grafton where, where I grew up. And the streets are dark, and, and as Aunt Irene and Aunt Flora were kind of slowly getting out of the car, my brother and I would bolt out of the car, run up the stairs in the dark, open the door, run down the corridor, where it's pitch black, high ceilings, big old house, it's dark, get to the kitchen and flick on the light. And there were cockroaches everywhere. And we would kill as many cockroaches as we could. Bang, 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 bang. And there, it was great fun. And then we would run outside as the aunts were walking in in the street and we'd call out, hey, mum, we just killed eight cockroaches. And I could never work out why the aunts would say, shh, shh. Anyway, now, why do cockroaches like the dark? Because it's safe. Because the rolled up newspaper or the little boy with his shoe taken off aren't there. They can't see them in the dark. And let me tell you something, there are a lot of things in this world that live in the darkness that do not like the light. And just as the New Testament talks about the light so many times, the New Testament also warns about darkness. 52 times the New Testament talks about darkness. Sometimes it just means it was nighttime, but mostly it's another word picture. It's a word picture of, well, what do you think darkness is a word picture about? A few years ago, Brian Cranston was in a television show called Breaking Bad. Um, I couldn't officially endorse it, and I'm sure the pastors here at Gladesville would not endorse it, and I'm not saying whether I watched it or not, but my wife Kathy wouldn't watch it with me. And oh, wait a minute, I just said that wrong. Um, <laughs> Kathy wouldn't watch it. Why? She said, I won't watch that with you. It is too dark. Meaning what? The way in which people treated each other, the deeds done, she meant it, it, it's evil, I don't, I don't want to watch it. That's fiction, but there's so much darkness in our world, isn't there? One of the things I do at the gym, um, I walk on a treadmill, it's not that exciting, believe me. So I listen to podcasts, and I like to listen to history podcasts. But the more that I learn about the history of our world, the more dark, dark events I hear about and that's history but you know today there's so much darkness in our world too do you know there's something like 40 million people in our world that live in slavery today 
millions of women and children in sexual slavery being trafficked, people in indentured labour that they'll work all their lives and never get out of debt. And that's done in the darkness. Or political corruption, etc. That, that all happens in the darkness. Or domestic violence, that happens in the, in the darkness behind closed doors. Or sexual abuse, the idea of it happening in the darkness. You know, I heard the e-safety commissioner, um, Julie Inman Grant, warning that since the COVID uh, virus thing, there's been a huge increase in online predators trying to seduce children online in the darkness. And you know, the dark web is called dark for a reason. Now, how do you deal with that? Well, haven't you ever noticed that the idea is if there's something is a conspiracy or whatever, or there's some crime, the media will say, ah, new evidence has come to what? Light. You drag it out in the light. And well, did you, I don't know if you noticed this week, 16th of December, George Pell, um, a, uh, a news story where it says, senior Vatican uh, figures framed me on pedophilia charges. Cardinal George Pell has confirmed for the first time that he believes senior church figures conspired to frame him on pedophilia charges uh, in Victoria due to his work in trying to clean up the Vatican's murky finances. Now, whatever you believe about Archbishop Pell, guilty or not, whatever's happening in the Vatican, etc., I'm not making judgments on that, but how would you fix it? The answer is you drag all of the facts out, investigate, find the facts and then what? Drag them out into the light. There's an old saying that sunlight is the best disinfectant. But you know what? It goes even deeper than that. And that is Jesus teaches again and again that there is a great struggle going on in our world between a supernatural struggle between his kingdom, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. A kingdom ruled over by the evil one, the devil. And Jesus taught he's real and powerful. Now, the kingdom of light will ultimately win, but that battle is real. And Jesus, in, a, in his usual, well, confronting way, says this, there's no middle ground. You're either in the kingdom of light, belonging to him, or in the kingdom of, the kingdom of darkness. And even more confronting is this. Jesus says for each of us, there's a darkness within. There's a, there's a darkness in our souls. Lust and greed and discontent and malice and hypocrisy and pride and ultimately it all comes from selfishness. And if you think that's over the top, let me ask you, would you really want everything in your life that you do and think and feel brought out into the light and Jesus warns God is light and that darkness within us is enough that come the judgment day God will send us into the darkness that will be separated from the one who is light and life for all eternity Jesus word for that is hell and he warned again and again that those who choose darkness rather than light will be sent into the darkness do you know as Jesus grew and healed and was compassionate and loved people and taught and he shone that light into the lives of the religious leaders of his day, that's why they killed him. That's why 
they had to get rid of him. And as Jesus comes 22 chapters after he's born and the sky lights up, Jesus says, let me show you as he's arrested. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come uh, for him to arrest him on the night before he's crucified. He said, am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. And Jesus, the one who is light and life, chooses to step into the darkness. And we're told that as he dies, let me show you something that Luke records from chapter uh, 23. Luke says this, when they came to the place of the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And skip down to verse 44, it was now about noon. And darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. As Jesus hung on the cross from noon till three, there was darkness. It wasn't an eclipse. We know that for two reasons. One is that you cannot have an eclipse when there's a full moon. And there's always Passover, when Jesus died, always happens at a full moon. The other thing I found out this week, an eclipse can only last seven and a half minutes. And this is three hours. So well known that there's a number of ancient historians who write about this darkness. So um, Phlegon, I have no idea how to pronounce his name, but he was a, a Greek historian, not a Christian, wrote about AD 137. He says this, the fourth year of the second, uh, 202nd Olympiad, which would be AD 33, there was, quote, the greatest eclipse of the sun And that it became night in the sixth hour of the day, that is noon, so that the stars even appeared in the heavens. What happens as Jesus dies? I think it's as if really even the sun could not watch what happens. And as Jesus chooses to take the punishment that we deserve, he's separated from his Father, the God who is light. He's separated and in the darkness pays that price. He pays the price of, you can call it darkness within us or evil or sin or whatever it is. You see, God is just and God chooses to be merciful. How can you be just? Someone has to pay for the wrong that's done. And how can you be merciful to actually just forgive? That is that God himself in the person of Jesus, pays that price. So God can be just, yes, but also God can freely forgive. Did it cost? Oh, yes. Let me show you this quote from Douglas Webster. What a, what a brilliant quote this is. He says this, At the birth of the Son of God, there was brightness at midnight. At the death of the Son of God, there was darkness at noon. It cost. But you know, the greatest story ever told, it hasn't finished here. Why? Because three days later or on the third day, what happens? It happens at dawn as the sun rises, Jesus rises again to show he's conquered death. He can give forgiveness. And for those who saw him raised, their lives are transformed. And he's been transforming millions ever since. And so the Christmas story light and life and hope and yet also confronting 
Why? Because the baby who grew up kept saying to us and asking us, will you live in the darkness away from God or will you step into the light? Let me show you a quote from John's Gospel. John, who is Jesus' closest companion, says this in John chapter 3, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Many people will choose to stay in the darkness because the light shows us for who we are and we need the humility to ask for forgiveness. But the very next thing that John says is this, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. And so Jesus invites us to, to step into the light and that will mean acknowledging the darkness within, yes, but he also offers us free forgiveness and the, the promise of eternal life. And so this year, if you're already a follower of Jesus, it's great news. And as you see the Christmas lights go up, you want to think, yes, Jesus is the one who offers us light and life and, and guides us with his light and gives us hope and, and joy. And if you're, if you're not sure where you stand, why not, why not read a gospel? Jesus has arranged for us to have some public holidays soon. You've got plenty of time. And the way things are looking, we actually might get a lot of time at home. But read a gospel. Luke is the great for the Christmas story or John's gospel. It's got all this stuff about light and life, etc. And you may also want to, uh, through the, the guys here at Gladesville, you may also want to do Christianity Explored, which is a wonderful opportunity to actually look at a gospel and ask some questions and walk through um, the great message of Jesus with some people. But we'll find out more about that soon. Now, we're going to sing. <laughs>